Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. So get, take some notes or get your phone out. I just have a few things that I, would, I think you might want to write down. And I want to just start this uh, series off and just say, say the same thing that uh, Pastor Sean said, that this is a great time, honestly, that at the year end to think about generosity. Um, but I, I echo what he said, that this is not obligatory in any way. This is the joy of our life. And if you're new to Red Rocks, you need to know this, this is something that all of us have found the joy in. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? I mean, like, we love this. This is a part of who we are. So if you are new, you're getting to see really what we're all about. And that is that we love doing this. This is not something that's done out of obligation. And what I love about scripture is that it talks a lot about the motivations for giving. And that's all I want to do today. I just want to talk about the why. Like, why would we want to do this? And I think you're going to hear over the next few weeks all the different projects that are involved. Pastor Sean and I were back in the, 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 uh, the green room before the service of the offices and just talking through. And he was just sharing with me just nonstop some of the different projects uh, that are happening and the places uh, that this church is going to be generous to those that are hurting and those that have never heard is the way I say it. And, um, and I think it's just an awesome time so that we can see God's kingdom advance on this earth in the name of Jesus. But I want to give you this thought, and I've been teaching this for a few years now, and I'm shocked. I've been in ministry 38 years, shocked at the number of Christians that have been Christians a long time that don't know what I'm getting ready to teach you. So like this is new information, theologically speaking, for some people that have been in church. And so if you've not been in church, you're really probably, uh, those that have been in church a long time don't know much more about this uh, than you do. And, and that is, is that where all this plays out at the end of time. So we're all going to have this thing that the Bible describes as a judgment. We're going to be, we're going to, you're going to have your day before God. There's going to be a judgment. And what most people don't know is that there's not just one, but there's two. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit. I've actually entitled this message, The Two-Question Test. So just to give you a little context about, about tests and my own journey about te tests, um, I didn't test well in school. I was one of those C students. Where are my C students at? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Thank you very much. Uh, where are you A people? The A people, raise your hand. Yeah, we're not crazy about you. Um, always messing up the curve. And anyway, so <laughs> thank you very little. And anyway, so in fact, my oldest son is really, really smart. And I, and I just wasn't. My oldest son is really smart. And uh, he made all A's, all 12 years of, of, you know, just of school. Um, and of course, went on to college. Uh, he made a 33 on the ACT, got a full ride academic scholarship to the University of Alabama, finished his undergrad three years, went on to get an MBA, perfect A's. It's just, it's miserable, right? Does, all right. <laughs> And so, but when he got his final report card in the mail uh, from high school, we just happened, the whole family just happened to be in the kitchen when that news, when, when he got it in the mail. And I'll never forget, he opened up, he goes, dad, dad, look, 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 all, all A's again. He says, I, I never made a B in my entire life. So that's nothing. I never made a B in my entire life either. Just go on. You know, just, I don't need to hear all that, but. But the truth is, uh, one of our problems with school uh, wasn't that I'm actually, I don't think I'm that dumb or anything. I just didn't test well. And I didn't test well because it seemed like I don't know what, what they intended for me to study, but it wasn't what I studied, right? So I, I'd like go in like, I'm going to crush this thing. And then you get into the test. It's like, oh my God, I don't know any of this material, you know? So 
Um, that was always my dilemma. And in my sophomore year at LSU, I went to, uh, I went to LSU, I was an accounting major. Go Tigers. Anyway, I was an account, accounting major uh, at LSU. And uh, I found out, somebody told me that they put the old tests, like the previous tests by these professors on file at the bookstore. You could go buy old tests just to see how they test. And a lot of times they would ask the exact same questions. And so, well, why'd you wait to my sophomore year to tell me that, right? So I went and bought every test from every professor I had, every, literally every one of them, and studied the tests, finding out how they were gonna test me. True story, finished my junior and senior year 4.0, baby, let's go, you know? So, yeah, and the only difference was is I knew what was on the test. So I'm gonna help you with what's on the test. So a lot of people don't know it's on the test. I mean, any Christians don't even really know it's on the test, that you're going to have this moment before God, and I'm going to give you this wonderful gift of what's on the test. So whether you want to answer it correctly or not, that's up to you, but I'm going to tell you what's going to be said. And there are two judgments, and I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about the first one, because I really want to get into the second one, but the first one's called, in theology, it's called the Great White Throne Judgment. You don't need to know that. That's just what it's called. And this is the everybody judgment. This is the moment that when all this ends, whenever it all ends, that everybody from Adam to when it all ends is gonna stand before God. And somehow, one at a time, we're gonna get our moment before God. I need Chris Hodges, please. You know, and we'll get up there, and you know, there he is. There's God. And, and the question, undeniably, is gonna be something along these lines um, that I sent my son Jesus to pay for your sins. What did you, what did you do with that offer? Like, how, what was your response to the fact that you committed sin separates you from, from God, and, but I've sent Jesus as a substitute to stand in your place to pay your bill. What, what, did, what did you do with my son Jesus? Some, something along those lines. And some of the wrong answers, according to Scripture, some of the wrong answers are going to be things like, I went to church, I read my Bible, I even was generous, or I, I, I sang songs, or all those things are wonderful. They're good things to do, but they're the wrong answer. In fact, the verse that I came to Christ, oh, I got saved as a, as a teenager at 15 years old, having been in church every Sunday for 15 years. Thought I was a Christian, but literally was living a, an entirely miserable life. And, um, and someone invited me to, a, 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 I call these life-giving churches, churches where people are authentic and really in love with Jesus. And, and I showed up at a life-giving church, and I'd, I'd never seen on-fire Christians before. Anyway, I went home at the end of that youth service um, and did not respond when they, they gave like an altar call response and I didn't do it because I knew where I knew what was going to happen next and I wasn't willing to do that honestly and so but I went home by myself in my bedroom uh, that that uh, night and just uh, started trying to figure out how a person gets to heaven on my own and I wasn't going to believe my church that I grew up in or I wasn't going to believe this new church I was just going to figure it out for myself kind of a thing and um, and I was only three pages into the red letter text. So, the, so if you, some Bibles have the words of Jesus in red, and I was just reading the red. I read the red. And so I just went a few pages in, and there's a verse uh, in Matthew that says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to go to heaven. And I thought, well, that's a problem, because that was my plan, you know, and <laughs> that's what they told me to say. But it goes on, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, and many on that day will say, Lord, we prophesied your name. We casted out devils in your name. We did miracles in your name. So all these religious, beautiful, you think they would be good enough things to, for you to enter heaven. He says, and I'll tell them plainly, away from me, because I never knew you. 
And I'll never forget the moment I was sitting in my bedroom and I realized that the, the condition for the first test, the first question that we're all gonna get before God one day is not a works-based one. And it's not how much you give or serve or attend or read or know. It's nothing religious, it's all relational. And I'll never forget the moment that I realized, well, my goodness, if relationship's how you get to heaven, I did not have one. And I was a perfect church attender. I'd been baptized, I knew the Bible, I was faithful, but I was doing it on the wrong thing. And, I, and, and that night in my bedroom, I led myself to the Lord, by the way. I just, I, I, I got on my knees, threw my arms across uh, my bed, and I, and I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I told him that if he would do that, um, he would never find a better follower. <laughs> that's literally how I prayed it. I'm gonna be the best one you have out there. I'm gonna serve you with all my heart. And that's been 43 years now, to God be the glory. So, yeah. And for some of you, that's not what this message is all about, but for some of you, you're here at Red Rocks, and, 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 and you just need to understand that, that being a Christian is not about joining this church, although that would be a great thing to do. It's not about reading your Bible, although that would be a great thing to do. It's not about any of those things. It's about being in a personal relationship with the one who, who paid your sin bill, and he just loves you. He loves you so very much, and so just consider that and just think about that, but, but there's a second test, and this is the part that most Christians don't even know exists. Because you think of that moment, okay, it's done, I'm in heaven, let's celebrate, and you can, by the way. So the first test determines your eternal destiny, and the second one determines what your eternal destiny is like. So it's, it's actually a reward test. And, and it's really, it's called a judgment, but it's not like you're being judged. It's, that's kind of a, it's almost like the judge in, like in an Olympic sport, where they like all the contestants, they're smart, good job, you tried hard, you didn't win, but good job, you know. But, but, but there, there's a reward, it's a reward judgment and it's called in theology, and again, you don't need to know the theology, but it's called the judgment seat of Christ. And this is the one I want us to know about as we enter into this season, this compassion season, this holiday season, and the, this kingdom builders season, and whether it's here at Red Rocks or wherever, you're, you're generous and you're gonna show the love of God to people, you need to know that God's watching. And this does not determine whether you get in heaven or not, but he, was, he, he has made a decision to reward you for what you do for other people. And it's not necessarily money, by the way. In fact, God never expects you to give that which you do not have. So, but he does expect us to give what we have. So if you have a smile, he expects you to give it. And if you have a you know, hug, he expects you to give it. And if you can be encouraging, you just need to know that he expects us to give it. He's, he's watching are you following me, everybody? He's watching how we live our lives. And I'll show you the scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This one will, will be uh, on the screen. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we know that's not the salvation one because we don't receive based on what we do, good or bad. We know that salvation is a free gift and it's not of works. This is a, this is a Christian judgment. This is this, this second one, because we're already saved by grace. This is a, a reward judgment. In fact, Matthew chapter 16, uh, Jesus actually said it this way, for the Son of Man, and he's speaking of himself, is gonna come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. And I love to teach the Bible. I know you guys have some great preachers around here, but I love like, digging into the text. And so I read original language, and, and the New Testament's written in the Greek language, and the word reward there is the word apodidomai. And it means I'll pay you back. Like anything you do for the people that I love on this earth, I'm gonna pay you back. 
If you go help somebody who's hurting, you just need to know, when I get a chance, I'm going to pay you back. And he uses that word, pay you back. And I'm, and I'm teaching you this because you need to know the motivation. That when we're, when we're compassionate, when we're generous, whenever we're serving, whenever we help anybody that's far from God or serve somebody who just needs to experience the love of God, that God's watching. Jesus is watching. In fact, one of the very last verses of the Bible. So you would think if the Bible is putting its period on this beautiful book of ours that we, that we cherish so much, that the very last thing in the Bible is this in Revelation 22. So if you go to the last page. It says, Jesus says, that, behold, I am coming quickly, and I'm so excited about bringing you my rewards that I'm bringing them with me. I, I, when I come back to get you, the second coming of Christ, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to bring them with me and reward you according to the work. And so when I teach our congregation, and I've, I've actually taught this at other churches, I'm just saying that we need to think about our lives in terms of what do I have, and am I leveraging it in a way for eternal purposes? And I just want to say it this way, just to be clear, and you may agree or disagree, and this might be the edgiest part of the message, and just if you don't agree, just forgive me, um, but that all giving's not the same, that we just can't be nice, but we're expected to do something that actually makes a difference for eternity as well. So the Bible, Jesus says that they give a cup of cold water in my name. I want you to reach people, but also don't want you just to be nice. I don't want you to just help people just for nice sake or even solve problems for nice sake, but that the ultimate goal, and which is what I love about being a part of a local church, is that the ultimate goal is that we not only help them, but we help them in Jesus' name, and we can give them not only give them food and help, but we can also give them heaven as well. Amen, everybody. Come on, give God praise. That's awesome. So I want to read you a very cool verse of scripture, and just I just want to teach it for a second, and then I want to get real practical with you about one of the ways that I've kind of solved this for myself. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 9, the Bible says this, for we are co-workers in God's service. Let me just time out right there and say that before you're a Christian, it's all about finding Christ. But once you find Christ, we're all co-workers so whether you're on the staff team or you're a pastor like Pastor Sean and Jill or whether you are on the dream team here serving in something, it doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, you're a coworker. You just need to know how, that's how God sees you. You are God's field, God's building by the grace God has given me. The, gra the grace is what God gave to you. He says, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. Now notice the tone here. So like when you go out there and try to make a difference, with your life, be intentional and be careful about it, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now watch this. If anyone builds on this foundation, on Jesus, using, notice the list, gold, silver, costly stones, those are things that are imperishable, or wood, hay, or straw. So they're all giving people something Three of them in fire never perish. Three of them with fire perish. Just notice that with me. So he says, you're going to do something with your life. And some of it's going to work and some of it's not going to work. And he's just asking us to be intentional about it. And if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, watch this, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, and the day is that second judgment. The day is, is bringing it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. 
So that just fires me up, actually. And I want you to see this next line because it's huge. And if what you build survives, so if your life work shows up in heaven, so if, if how you've lived your life impacts someone else and they find themselves in heaven, I love the fact that we began this entire series celebrating over 6,000 people who have given their lives to Jesus. It clearly shows, right, what this church is all about, right? It says, but if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but will still be saved. Why? Because he passed the first judgment, even though as one escaping through the flames. Let me show you one more uh, translation of that, just that last part. Uh, it says, but the day is coming when the fire will reveal the quality of your work, and if what you build survives, you will receive a reward, and if the fire burns up your work, you'll lose the reward, but you'll still be saved. So it literally shows both judgments in one sentence. Here, here's the big idea, and that is I want us to all be motivated by, by the fact that we're going to stand before God and, we're, and so that we can pass the test. You say, well, Pastor Chris, they call me PC uh, down in Alabama for Pastor Chris. So PC, what's, what's the second question sound like? And it goes like this. Just, I just want you to be ready for it. I'm that teacher who told you it was on the test. Come on, somebody. I'm helping you out. All right. So you can pass and not fail. All right. So, uh, but the second one's going to be something like this. Okay. So you passed the first one. Now you're in this front of this next one. I gave you a bunch of stuff. What'd you do with it? It's like you were supposed to do something with it. You're supposed to take your ideas, your dreams, your time, your car, your thoughts, your phone, because your phone, you can actually be generous with your phone. You can think of somebody who might need some encouragement and say, bro, I'm just thinking about you today. I love you. I've been praying for you. You just became a generous person. You took something you possess and you gave it away. Are you following me, everybody? Like, like he's never expecting us to give that which we do not have, but he is expecting that what we have. And I would like to submit to you um, that we have more than most. In fact, I would go so far to say that, that we're, we're rich. Um, First Corinthians says that God will make you rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. So not just with money. I agree with Pastor Sean. I think a lot of times these generosity messages come too much about just offerings and, and giving money, and that is a, that's an important part, but that's not what this is all about. This is about intentionally living our lives in a season where we can make a difference in the lives of others by giving whatever we have away in a way that where it shows up in heaven. Amen, everybody? Are you seeing that? So um, I'm a practical person. I'm not really a preacher. I like putting the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so and you're a pastor and others that preach here are just great preachers. I've, I've watched the messages. But I like th making things simple. And they call me the systems guy. Like, I like systems. I like taking ideas and figuring out a way to actually make it where it actually happens. So it's not just inspired, but actually we actually do it. You know, and so I'm a list person. Any list people, list people, list people? <laughs> I love you guys. I mean, I love lists. If I had a list of everything I like, lists would be at the top of the list. I mean, I just, I love lists. <laughs> okay. And so I made a list. This is a true story. I'm not making this up for just here. You can check the, you can check the, the archives of the messages that I preached. About eight years ago, um, God started blessing me with more than I need. And it's not a lot, but it's more than I need. And I actually started praying about 10 years ago. I said, God, I don't just pray for my needs. I'm asking you to give me more than I need, not so I can have it, so I can give it away. I literally prayed that prayer. God, do not give me my needs. Give me more than I need. And if you do, I will give it away. 
and I've tried to be faithful to that prayer, and God has blessed me and given me more than I need. But when he started giving me more than I need, there are also a lot of opportunities of where that could go, more than what I had. The need, <laughs> come on somebody, the need was greater than what this brother had, right? But, so I couldn't decide. And so I was in one of my system modes. I was in one of my list modes one day. In fact, I even called my good friend, uh, John Maxwell, and I'm not you know, name dropping, but he's probably the greatest leadership guru in the world, and he's like a father to me. And, and I had this conversation with him. I said, I'm trying to figure out, I called it my giving filter. Like, how do I decide? Because there's more I wanna do than what I can do. And so I'm just gonna give you mine. It doesn't have to be yours, but this is kind of my practical way, and I'll close with a story, and then we'll pray and worship a little bit more, okay? So, but I'm just gonna give you, I wrote, I wrote out five things, questions that I ask myself before I give. And again, just let them speak to you if it speaks to you. If it doesn't, that's fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings. But this is my giving filter, and I think it might speak to you at least one of these. And my first question I ask, I call it the obedience question. And the obedience question is, have I returned my tithe to my local church? So that's, because I don't think you can start giving until you've returned that which already belongs to God first. And I'm a tither. I don't know what you believe about that teaching or not, but I, I got saved at 15, and that's one of the first things they told me. They, well, first they told me, <laughs> now I grew up in a crazy generation. I got saved in 1978 during the height of the rock and roll, crazy rock and roll. And one of the first things they said, bring all your secular albums and we're going to burn them. I like, go, all right. <laughs> Y'all, that was so much fun. We had, it was, anyway, you might think that's weird, but I enjoyed it. Anyway, so <laughs> there you go, Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so anyway, it was just kind of fun. And then they told me to get baptized and I never thought, I don't want to be wet. You know, no, they said get baptized. I get, you know, I don't. I think we put too much of our, I, I, well, let me decide if I want to do that to things that God already said. Look, just do it. There's a part of this that's just obedience. And then they told me about tithing. I'm like, works for me. And they honestly, and I'm, I'm not making this up, they could have told me any percent because I, I was that grateful that Jesus set me free. My, my darkness was so dark that when I got saved, they could have said, look, it's, the tithe is 90%. Like, here you go. I mean, I'd have done it. And, I'm, and, and, and I just say that to you to say, trust God. Not, you don't have to trust the church, but trust God that when you honor him with your first, he blesses the rest. I'm just throwing that out there for you. Amen? And yeah, those are the tithers saying, yeah, it works. Like they really, they really are. So that's the first one. Let me get to the second one. And I call this the leadership question. And the leadership question is, do the leaders of the organization to which I'm getting ready to give... Do they have both things, competence and character, and they both matter? <laughs> so there's a lot of organizations with some great ideas, but you have to ask yourself, whenever those funds go to those people, can they handle it? Because it's going to end up in the hands of someone, and you want it to be of someone who is competent. In other words, they know what to do with it, and then they have to have character so that it actually lasts and doesn't end up in some kind of crazy way. Are you following me, everybody? And I literally think about the people. And your pastor did not ask me to say this, and he might even rebuke me for saying it after it's over, but it doesn't matter, because I'm his pastor, and you can just let me do what I want to do, all right? <laughs> and if he didn't want to invite me back, I'll come back anyway. So I'm sorry. So, but I know these people, and I have cried with them in rooms. And I've watched their marriage, and I've watched their life, and I know the finances, and I know what happens in the back room. And people I know usually wonder, is that what they're really like? They're better. 
in the back room. They're better. They were better in my home in every way, honestly. And I, honestly, I fear God so much, I wouldn't tell you that if it wasn't true. That you really genuinely have not only some of the most beautiful people that I know, but they know what they're doing because what they do produces a massive harvest of fruit. What you're experiencing here, I know you know this, and I think you forget that it's not normal. This is not normal to see that many people saved, that many people baptized with COVID restrictions and with all that's going on in our crazy world. Are y'all listening to me, everybody? And praise God, listen to me. God deserves all the glory, but, but God uses people. And that's just a fact. God wants to do this everywhere, and it doesn't happen everywhere because not, you don't have competent and, and people with character type of leaders everywhere. And I think one more time, we ought to thank God, not only for Pastor Sean and Jill, but for the entire leadership team, the elders, everybody involved here. Yeah, thank God. But that matters to me. Here's the, here's the third one. Are y'all enjoying this at all? Like this, this is my giving filter. So start praying for more than you need. Okay, so because you don't just need your needs, get more, everybody, so you can be a generous person. Yeah, why not? And not for us. I don't need more. I just want to give. I want to be the person to give it away. There's nothing more fun than giving things away to eternal purposes. And if you do, you're going to need a filter. And the third one is, I call it the relationship question. And that is, has God connected to me relationally? Because I think God builds his kingdom relationally. I really do. So I always look for places that I want to be in a relationship with him. So I don't go everywhere and speak everywhere. I don't. I only go to the places where I'm relationally connected. And I'm not bragging or anything, but I have more invitations than I can accept. That's fine. But I, I would prefer to be around the people that I love because I know God accelerates things, honestly, when you're connected relationally. And so if you're looking for a home church, I personally think you found one, but if you had, find a place, if it's not here, find a place where you love the people, love the vision, and love everything about it, then pour your whole life into it because this is how God is going to build you, how you're going to flourish, and it's also how the church flourishes. God builds his kingdom relationally. And so I told you I have five kids and eight grandkids, and the answer is yes. When they ask, especially those grandkids, y'all, you have no idea. They come up there, Papa, can I have it? They don't even finish the sentence. Yes. You know, their parents are telling them, no, you can't eat that. But at my house, you can eat it. Oh, it's all. The answer is yes. But it's yes, honestly, not just because I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a Papa. And my wife's name is Honey, by the way. We're Papa and Honey. And I, I know. And about as Southern as it gets right there. Right? But the answer is yes. It's just yes. But why? Because it's relationship. Here's the fourth one. I already talked about it a little bit, and this is a big one to me. In fact, I'm going to go so far to say this one's a non-negotiable for me, and that is, I call it the difference question, and that is, well, will what I'm giving, and is this organization making an eternal difference? And I'm going to say something that might even make some of you feel a little funny on the inside when I say it, and I'm doing it for shock reasons, so just know that. So just hear it. Forgive me immediately as you hear it. But I want to say it like I want to say it so you can feel it like I feel it. Because there's a lot of social justice out there, and I'm a, I'm a social justice person, actually. But I think social justice without spiritual justice isn't justice. So if we give them food and clothing and we don't give them the greatest thing I ever received, which is my salvation, I withheld the greatest gift. Now, spiritual justice without social justice isn't justice either. 
We can't come along like, you need to follow Jesus, but we're not even gonna help them. No, we help them too. We do both. And the way I say it is, if you feed the whole world and they go to hell, we still lose. We've gotta take what we do in Jesus' name, and we've gotta make sure that it survives according to 1 Corinthians chapter three. Are y'all seeing that, everybody? Okay. And I know that's kind of strong, but I think it's really important to kind of understand the difference question, and here's the last one. And I love this one. And this is the one that Pastor Sean kind of alluded to in the introduction that I want to reinforce. And I call it the God question. And the God question goes like this. Is God speaking to me? So I've never, in the 20-year history of Church of the Highlands, and we have 23 locations and you know, buildings all over the state, all that, never asked for a dollar. And I never will. And this is how I say it. I've never asked you for anything. I'm not going to start today. But I unapologetically ask you to ask God. And honestly, one of the greatest joys of the Christian life is learning how to hear God's voice. Now, you want to have some fun? Step out the door and say, God, speak to me and I will obey. So I do this all the time. So I have the luxury as I'm, I'm one of the older guys here. All right. So I've been saved. 43 years, been in ministry, 38. One of the most fun parts about being a Christian is when God speaks and then doing it and then watching what he does. So my family's favorite restaurant is P.F. Chang's. They call it Chang's, all right? So they love it because they love filling the table. It's more the family style because there's a bunch of us now, okay? And so we filled the table. It, it costs a ton of money, by the way. So I, and I, Bill's always on me. But anyway, we filled the table. And we were in, in there not too long ago, and, and they were short servers. You could tell. Because things were, you know, the glasses, we, we'd already gone through our water, and it was just empty. It had been empty a long time. And the server was very frantic about it. In fact, she came around, and she just hurried, hurried, did it, like made no acknowledgement of us and scurried off again. And, and honestly, I'm usually, the, I'm usually the guy that's that impatient, hey, you know, guy. And, and that day, I had prayed that prayer. Lord, I'm going to, I'm on mission today, if you'll speak to me. And I'm telling you, God laid that server on my heart. And so when she came around the second time, I said, hey, we're not in a hurry. Come to us last. We'll be fine. Go take care of the other customers. And she looked at me like, I've never heard that phrase before in my life. So she scurried off and she came back. She was filling glasses again. And she just had that worried look on her face. Now, I don't know her story. I just began to imagine it. By by the way, one of those beautiful things you can do is try to just step into someone's shoes and imagine, what is it? Imagine, what is it like to be them? In my mind, imagine she was a single mom, perhaps, or college student working several jobs. I don't know. So when she came around the next time, I said, hey, are you okay? And she looked at me like, you're not supposed to ask me that. And she scurried off again. And she came back, she was serving the plates and all that. And I said, hey, are you okay? And she kind of stared at me. I said, look, I'm a pastor. And a little tear popped out. And then she shoves it back in, you know, because she wasn't, that's the wrong place for that, right? And and she goes, she goes, it's just been tough. And so I knew in that moment, God had had me on mission, that I was supposed to bless her, and I blessed her. Like, I call, in the South, we call it a honking tip. 
Okay, you guys in Colorado, it's a, an extremely generous gratuity. All right, so anyway, whatever, okay. <laughs> but we just call it a honking tip down the south. That's what we talk about. Anyway, so, so like the same amount as the bill tip and just blessed her. And she came back, she goes, I think, are you serious? I said, yes, I'm serious. She goes, why? And I got to say these most beautiful words, because God loves you and I could do this for you. And, and he has me on assignment. I told her this to make sure you know he loves you. And she goes, you, know, you don't know, have absolutely no idea how much this means to me. And I was thinking, oh yes, I do. I do actually. And I remember walking out of that place that day, thinking, you know, there's probably about four billion women on this earth, four billion men. And God cared about one of his little princesses. And he had, all he needed was one of his young, handsome men of the most high God, right? That, no. <laughs> Just needed somebody, come on, somebody to be on mission that day. To hear his voice and to speak on his behalf and love and look in my eyes. And that's the season we're in. So let's go do it. Let's go do it. Father, we know one day we're going to stand before you. And God, with all of our heart, we look forward to that moment where we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And Lord God, we thank you. It's totally unnecessary, but God, that you have every intent on rewarding the life that we live. Lord, let us be more sensitive to it than we've ever been before. God, I'm already speaking a blessing on this kingdom builder season of not just giving, but of giving our lives at restaurants and places where we can show the love of God to those that are hurting and those that have never heard. I speak a blessing on our offering, God, as we pray and just consider what we could do to invest in the lives of others. I pray that you'd speak in Jesus' name. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Chris, I'm far from God, I'm not sure I'd pass, I'm not sure I'd pass that first test. Say, what would I have to do to be in a relationship with God? Do what he did for you. He gave his life. You give your life. That's it. You don't have to be perfect. It's just surrender. In fact, if I were to describe salvation in a single word, it would be the word surrender. And so today, if you're watching online or wherever you are at one of the campuses and locations of Red Rocks Church, and you're ready to surrender, you can just pray a prayer something like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving me your life. You gave everything to me. And today I respond by giving you my life. I surrender all. Now make this bold confession. In fact, why don't we all pray it out loud? I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. And today, I put my faith in you. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.